there, and thanks for listening to the Meet Us in Paris podcast, the podcast about all things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time, or what to pack for your next trip. I am Kristen and will be moderating this Motley crew for today. Joining me on this trip is Emily and Zen. Hey. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. that lovely. <laughs> Great energy, guys. Great. Okay. (laughs) Where's the energy? Um, so every once in a while, a movie stands out to us when it's set in another country. And you can tell when they're on location most of the time or if it's just a backdrop at Warner Brothers. Or maybe that's just me. But anyways. No, you can't. Yeah. But it's mostly because you can really recognize the location, especially if it's somewhere that you've been before. Um, But every once in a while, the location really transcends its role as a setting and it becomes a character in the movie. In other words, the movie couldn't take place anywhere else or it would change the story. It's these movies that we particularly love. On today's podcast, we're going to offer up some of our favorite theatrical releases that take place in foreign locations. Hopefully, it will help you discover a few new flicks to pass your time with and maybe, just maybe, quench your thirst for international travel for a brief time. Meet Us in Paris is sponsored by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. Do you have an educational goal? At UCI DCE, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. You can find us at ce.uci.edu. Dream big. Take risks. Be amazing. All right. Um, I want to start. So I'm going to, because I got this really cute, obscure film that most people have not heard of. If it's um, so obscure I'm start- for you, it must be very obscure, right? <laughs> I feel like you already know really? obscure movies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so the film, like, I like indie films, so that's why I like obscure films. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a there's a rom com from 2005 called um, "It's Already Tomorrow in Hong Kong." Huh. Okay. Was it gr- like an American film? It. Uh, you know, if it's not an American film, it's got to be like an American Canadian at the very least. But I think okay. it is an American film. Okay. And and I'll give you kind of an outline of I'll give you like an overview. What it is is there's this Asian. So it's it's kind of it's once again it's I like fish out of water movies mm-hmm. because it makes you when you're fish out of water typically in a location it makes you go oh. Um, uh, you know, you're really exploring. You get that excitement of something new. And this kind of throws, like, we've seen this type of thing before. Like, you know, American person goes to somewhere else and then meets someone who's local. And then, um, you know, somehow they get into shenanigans and they like each other. Okay. Right. So what already tomorrow in Hong Kong is different is there is an Asian American woman. And by the way, this is spoilers. So if you want to watch this, uh, blind, you got, you got to turn off your, turn I off already that. want to watch it and you're ruining it for me. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. So, um, and is an Asian American woman who goes to Hong Kong and she's very much like me. She doesn't speak Chinese. She's American all as all get out. And she in a bar, um, she's like talking loudly on a phone and um, she's like talking to her friend because it's a loud bar. It's like, hey, 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 what, what, where? I'm supposed to do what? I'm huh? How do I get there again? 
And then she hangs up. I'll figure it out. And she hangs up. And then there's a guy on the other end of the bar who's a Caucasian guy. And he's like, hey, um, do you need help? And she's speaking perfect English, obviously. And she's like, well, I'm trying to get here. Oh, I, I can take you there. And it turns out this guy is an expat American. So you have the white guy who's a, kind of a semi-native in Hong Kong. And then mm-hmm. you have an Asian woman in Hong Kong who is the fish out of water. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I see. I see what they yeah. did there. Yeah. And then the two of them have, you know, they they have, and, and that's where I'm going to leave it. So it's their the relationship that builds between these two characters of wow you know you know it's just like fish out of water you know you're in hong kong and then the other part is that so what i really love about it is he's trying to show her how to get to her destination and along the way you get to see all the sites of hong kong you get to or not all the sites but a lot of the things that you see typically in hong kong you see the the streets which are very typical generic streets that you don't see in a typical movie because usually it's set against the waterfront um there's an escalator that goes up the side of the mountain he's like oh yeah you need to go up to this escalator and so it just he he's almost acting like a tour guide for hong kong and you get to see what real hong kong may look like to a certain degree so that's why i love the film that's a really interesting like twist on a, like new location and mm-hmm. like who who's the native and all that so, yeah and cool. yeah, yeah puts puts it makes you think about it so so yeah i mean that's kind of a trying to be somewhat obscure so not to give away too much so you guys can watch it but once again 2005 already tomorrow in hong kong i just it's and it's a rom-com you know so hopefully you enjoy it nice do you know That's if really it's cool. on, um, like, Netflix or Hulu or, like, any streaming service? It used to, you know, at one point they were. I mean, this is 2015. I don't know what it's currently streaming on, if mm-hmm. if at all. Okay. It's very intriguing. Okay. So. Let me, I will go next. Um, I want to talk about Midnight in Paris. Oh, yes, the Woody Allen film. Yes, because it seems only fitting since we are called Meet Us in Paris. Um, It's like a film I love watching because I always forget that it exists. It's... um, <laughs> like I don't know. Like nice. I always, I forget that I've. It, it's a movie, and then I'll come across. I think it's on the last time I saw it was on Hulu. So I like I'll be scrolling through, and I'm like, oh my god, I love that movie. Um, but basically, it is. It followed. Um, Owen Wilson is the main character, and he is this screenwriter who's in Paris with his um, fiance, who's played by Rachel McAdams, and they're. I don't know. I can't remember if they're there just like on vacation, but it seems like they're just, she's constantly um, thinking about their wedding and like wedding planning and things like that. And they're there with her parents too. And they're super like materialistic and they, all they want to do is kind of shop and just like Mm -hmm. talk about the wedding and not really take in the culture and things around Paris and him as a screenwriter or just him as a person, he would rather not go out he'd rather just walk the streets of paris and like take in paris you know um and so i hated seeing rachel mcadams in such an unlikable role it was so sad but (laughs) yeah so sad but so basically um there's one night where i 
don't remember how he ends up there, but he ends up on this corner of like in Paris somewhere. And at midnight, there's this car that rolls up um, and they're all like partying. They're like, you want to come to our party or something like that? So uh, him just being intrigued, he joins this like car load of strangers and he somehow travels back in time to like... (laughs) It's weird. It's like 1920s? Yeah, to the 1920s. It's weird mm-hmm. because the first time I watched the movie, I was like, wait, what just happened? Like, is this real? Because they make it sound or they make it seem like this is normal. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah. So he travels back in time, like to the 1920s and meets all these great, like, artists. I mean, it was all writers. the expats in exactly. Paris that day. Yeah. yeah. And so he goes and parties with them. And then he's like so amazed that the next night he brings Rachel McAdams to the same spot. And he's like, no, like I promised we'll wait here till midnight. There's going to be a car that comes and the car doesn't come. So she leaves because she's like super tired and like not about it. Um, And the car ends up coming just for him. So he like this entire time he's in Paris, he keeps going back at midnight, traveling back in time um, and meeting like. F. Scott Fitzgerald, and um, I think he meets Hemingway. Hemingway, yeah, he meets Hemingway. He meets Picasso, like all the you know all the artists um, that came from Paris in the 1920s. Uh, and I think he like starts to write or work on his screenplay, and like he keeps going back to have all of them look at it, uh, which is pretty interesting. But it's essentially just like Paris beautiful like a love letter to paris and kind of just like the culture of like paris as a like the city of artists kind of okay i'm totally bookmarking this because actually you've never I seen was it not aware i have not seen this film i am not aware of this film oh wow you know i'm not actually a woody allen fan i don't know why um because he's I, you know what the the probably the answer is that he's very New York and for the longest time I never understood New York. You know the new the well lots of times like his his earlier films is like if you weren't a New Yorker you didn't True. get it or you didn't get the humor. And as time went by, it's just like I just kind of dropped off of Woody Allen films. But no, now I got to watch it. So yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, so taking a trip just a little south of there. Um, when I was in elementary school, I was introduced to Audrey Hepburn and everyone always starts with breakfast at Tiffany's, but the next best one is Roman holiday. Um, and what Mm -hmm. is so great about this movie is obviously not only that they film it on location, but this is like Rome, I think in the 1950s and it is very authentic. Like it's not overrun with tourists. Um, so they're filming and it's like a very calm scene. It's like all the like locals that are there. And um, it is like the story is she's a princess of like a fictional country and she gets sick of it. And she kind of runs away. And this American expat who lives there, who's a photographer, he recognizes her. And so he starts spending time with her and wants to get pictures of her to sell. And then, you know, they end up like falling in love and he can't sell the pictures because it would betray her. Blah, blah, blah. But they go all around Rome and that was like a big inspiration for me in Rome to go see all those places that she had visited. And she goes to all the great sites and they do a lot of like cute her, like getting gelato and getting her hair cut. And like, she doesn't speak Italian. So like interacting with like some of the store vendors or or, like crazy kids and stuff like that. And it's super cute and really cool to see Rome in the fifties, like 
preserved like that. <laughs> Semi-preserved. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like its own little time capsule. Right, right. Totally. You know, so. I think I saw that Roman Holiday like on the plane. It was like one of the movies available to watch on the plane. So I never saw it in like a full screen comfortable seating. I want to rewatch it again because I <laughs> well, I certainly never saw it in theaters. So <laughs> yeah. I had yeah, a yeah. similar experience. <laughs> but it's really cool cuz you know, they go to Trevi Fountain and they yeah. go to the the Mouth of Truth, the Boca della Verite and you know what? Um, all around, yeah. <laughs> Have you gals heard of Canopy? No. Okay. So um, Canopy, um, and this should be an interest to people who are, who are listening. Canopy is a essentially a Netflix, but for only, uh, not for only, but a lot of indie type smaller films. And if you work for a university or lots of public libraries give you access to Canopy for free, it's spelled k-a-n-o-p-y dot uh, then dot com and they have so many criterion films they have um so many of these films that you you might be surprised you might be able to watch it for free and stream it on canopy hmm. nice it's a nice show. well i have like, a lot of these on dvd but that's still good to know <laughs> Well, no, I mean, but like if you want, actually, what I thought was a lot of fun was there's a lot of old Sophia Loren films. Ah, and okay. when and those films is when she was um, just an Italian star or just starting, and all the, all a lot of these films are only in Italian. You have to read the subtitles, Ooh. so it's very interesting to see how a lot of these people got their start. And also starting and making their film, make uh, the films in their native language. So just mm-hmm. like, um, who's the guy who played uh, Antonio Banderas? Um, he was a Spanish movie star. And to see his films where he, do, you know, he only speaks Spanish and he's super young. And, you know, now it's just like you think of him as with that, that guy with that rolling accents and, you know, <laughs> right. debonair. And he's played like kind of thug kind of characters when he was young and all sorts of stuff. So it's really neat to see these actors in their in their original. Country. Yeah, Penelope Cruz. And was Salma Hayek also famous yeah. before the American movies? Yeah, she was in. Um, yeah, well, she it was. I think it was American. It was a film done in Spanish. Okay, Despe- not Desperado. Um, Once upon it, it's it's it was done in Spanish, but it was. I think, I think it was done in Spanish, but maybe produced by Americans. Okay. I don't know, something Anyways, like that. Yeah. Okay, next up, um, a little bit less obscure. Let me think. Um, uh, you know, I had written these down, and now I can't think. Okay, um, have you guys heard of a woman called Eat, Drink, Man, Woman? A no. woman named Eat, Drink, Man, Woman? Wait, what? No, no, no. No. <laughs> it's a movie called oh. Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. No. no. Um, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman was later remade made i can't remember what the remake was but this is a taiwanese film that was uh it was a taiwanese film that i believe won the oscar awards and it was directed by ang lee and this is one of those films that kind of brought him to the forefront in the united states as uh, a very uh 
a great um, a great director. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's what it's about is it's about a family who's you know so it's like a I believe it's a son. It's been a while since I watched it, but a son, daughter, um, and a father. I don't know what happened to the mother off the top of my head. And anyways, the father is a head chef and he's a fantastic chef and he works at a very, very prestigious hotel in Taiwan. And this is where when you have a restaurant in a prestigious hotel, your restaurant is prestigious or vice versa. And he um, he's a head chef and they parallel all their love lives to um cooking that food is love love is food and it's very interesting so like the father actually can know he's a head chef and he said um and one of the most famous chefs but he can't taste anymore he lost his sense of taste so whatever he cooks he actually has to give it to his assistant to taste it (laughs) <laughs> to see if it's good he cooks it and it's just like and it, the crazy it's the funniest thing so like it's like okay taste this and this assistant his assistant always starts out with this like really dour blah, kind of face it's like well what's it taste like and then his assistant goes oh it's brilliant this is perfect you know <laughs> but at the same time lots of times he goes home and he cooks something and his kids will say dad you forgot to put the salt in because he can't taste oh, he, he can't see anything i mean he can't he can't he doesn't know what his food is missing. So his kids will go and put the salt in. And, but then it parallels, you know, he starts to get into a romantic relationship with somebody. And then his daughter's daughter gets in a romantic relationship with other people. And what's always, what's really funny is like, she can cook, right? So she's trying to cook for her boyfriend or something like that. And she cooks this huge meal that's designed for like 20 people. And a guy goes, why do you always cook for like for like a small army? And she goes, <laughs> my dad is a cook in a restaurant. I don't know how to cook a single meal. I only know how to cook for 20 people. And oh, no. Because <laughs> she even oh, had to do like ration out 20 things. So, so it's – and then they parallel how food is love and love is food. And, and it's just really, really, really charming. Um, so anyways, um, if you have time – Go watch it. Um, oh, I was also just as a side note. Um, I think I told you, Kristen, is uh, my uncle's actually in this film. Oh, and you didn't tell me he was in that what? film. He was. He was also in this film. You know. So what? What? He was in this film, and he. Um, he was. He's an older. Well, he passed away since, but he. Um, he used to be a very famous mainland Chinese um, actor. Later on, moved to Italy, and then became kind of became the Asian guy for all the Italian movies and <laughs> a lot of American movies in the sixties and the seventies. He spoke a little bit of English, spoke perfect Italian. So, if you needed a, a any Asian mobster, oh, no. he was your guy. Oh, if you needed, and he, this guy was like, man, when I was young, I couldn't. Believe, he was like six foot two, six foot three, oh, big Asian guy mustache you know like the you know like italian hair um just the whole deal and so he he was in all these films for something like four or five decades anyways the whole anyways so it was very interesting he plays the airline chief in this film go watch it have a lot of fun i think you'll enjoy it it's how ang lee got to be known in the united states 
Dang. Very cool. Very cool. What was it called again? Eat, 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 drink, drink, man, woman. Eat to drink, man, woman. Awesome. And while you guys, because you asked, I looked it up on Google. The first film I was talking about is it's already tomorrow in Hong Kong. If you go to IMDb, you can apparently watch it for free with commercials. Oh, what? I didn't know IMDb nice. did that. Very yeah. Cool. So. Okay. All right. I am up next. I am going with. This is like a hit or miss for people. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mamma Mia. So, ah. I, I mean, I'm assuming you guys are familiar with it, whether you watched it or not. Yes. I actually have not, but I, yeah, I mean, I've not. seen <laughs> I've seen all those previews and seen how beautiful they make yeah. them. It's, yeah, okay, so, like, music and actual plot line aside, the location is beautiful. Because mm. um, they do film on location. It's not, I don't think it's, um, so, in the movie, it's supposed to take place on this tiny greek island called palokari uh, but is that I, a real island I, that's the thing i'm not too sure if that's a real island but there's definitely tiny greek islands that exist sure uh, <laughs> but okay i just looked it up it was filmed on the greek island of skopelos ah so yes it was still on a greek island but um in case you don't know the plot um it's not Anyways, I was going to say, it's not, like, a, a super interesting, it's it's just a fun, it's a fun rom-com, but it's about this young bride-to-be who wants her father to walk her down the aisle, but she doesn't know who her real father is because her mother has never told her. So she goes through her mother's diaries and finds that it could be one of three men. So she sends... Excuse me. She sends wedding invitations to each of these three men, inviting them to the wedding um, on this tiny island. And they think that it was her mother who sent the invitations and the mother has no idea. Um, And so it's kind of just this whole like big secret. But then she finds out and you kind of see the relationship that the men used to have with the mother and then the relationship that they kind of begin to create with the young bride-to-be. It's a fun movie. It's not super, like, thought-provoking or anything. It's just, like, a fun movie. <laughs> and if you like Ava, then Ava, then you like... Um, like, the music's fun. Um, but that's what films should be sometimes. It yeah. should just be something thoroughly entertaining. And, like, sometimes people get too caught up in, like, oh, it's not serious or it doesn't have a plot. It's like, yeah. sometimes you just want to turn your brain off and just be happy. Yeah. And it sounds like that type of film. How <laughs> can you not be with yeah. Abba? It's a total. Yeah, exactly. Good. I mean, and then just the location itself. It's a tiny island. Um, the idea is that they have a hotel there. It's like, I don't even know if there's actually anyone else who lives on the island. They don't really go into detail about that. Um, But they own this hotel that's like falling apart and they're trying to put it together and create it as like the, like a lover's retreat or like a Greek lover's destination. Um, Because I think, fun fact, I don't know how true this is. In the movie, it's true. Um, But their hotel is said to be on this the ground where aphrodite came or something like that so it's like oh, yeah cool. so it's, it's a little cool tidbit don't know how true that is but it's cute <laughs> i enjoy that yeah. cool 
But anyway, sorry. Oh, can I add? Yeah. Oh, oh no, I mean, go ahead. Mommy, I didn't even talk about Greece barely, but it's Greece. So the waters are beautifully blue. It's so like sunny and bright all the time. And it's like a little slice of fun in heaven. In the movie. <laughs> in Greek heaven. Yes. Yeah, so that's actually what I wanted wanted to interject is I noticed I forgot I was so excited about talking about the movie I forgot to mention how Etrick Man Woman relates to Taiwan. <laughs> right. It's 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 in something called the Grand. Uh, the father works in something called the Grand Hotel in Taipei, which is one of the most notable pieces of architecture because it's a hotel but it has a pagoda top. And so it's a huge building that's on the side of a mountain that you can see from downtown. And um, it's it's just, um, I think it's owned by the government now. But Dwight Eisenhower stayed there, Richard Nixon, Clinton, Ronald Reagan. Wow. And a whole bunch of Nelson Mandela, Margaret Thatcher. So the father was the head chef of that hotel's restaurant. So, and And they have some really neat scenes there, too. So that's it. Sorry. No, we both <laughs> needed to. We both need to into, needed to include the actual place. Like talking yes. about the actual yes. place. It's all of the instructions, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's a bit of a wild card, but who does not love Indiana Jones? Mm. Okay, and especially Ooh. my all-time favorite one is the Holy Grail. Yes. And I mean, I remember watching this as a kid and it's, first of all, it's just awesome because they, he goes all over the world. So they do, they film scenes in Venice. Um, I mean, he's supposed to be a professor at Columbia. So sometimes he's back like in New York. Um, there are some like Middle Eastern scenes. I don't remember where those are supposed to be, if it's like Abu Dhabi, but that was the first time that I saw Petra. Um, and so that's cool. like where they end up. Like the Holy Grail is housed in the that like Petra um I don't know what it's specifically called but what's carved into the stone um and that was like fascinating as a kid that was like my first in interaction with it and being like wow I need to see that that place looks amazing and it's real and just taking it back to the Middle East and you know the the grail is supposed to be the cup that Christ drank from at the that's, last dinner that's the one with his father mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and they go to like Austria. They're like all over the place in that movie. It's, it's actually really cool. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes, thank you. <laughs> the Holy Grail is like a completely different movie. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, like Monty Python. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yes, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, but it's really fun to watch because I think they do film a lot of that on location, but the Petra one just was so mesmerizing and really stuck with me. I feel like you didn't get a lot of like middle Eastern culture in American movies, um, especially through that time. So that was just really fascinating to see and watch. And they tie a lot of it to, you know, like the biblical history and Knights Templar and stuff like that. So there's a lot of like, kind of, I don't want to say fairy tale, but like myths and legends and stuff like that. But um, I just loved seeing the middle East in that movie. And especially um, the, what is is it called? The Valley of the Crescent Moon? Or is that just what they call it in Indiana Jones? That's how I know (laughs) it. Oh no. That's how I know it. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's out of all the movies, 
if it's not my favorite, it's my second favorite. No, it's my favorite of all the Indiana Jones films. So yeah, for sure, that one's the best. Totally, so, it's definitely out. the best. I actually um, have started rewatching the Indiana Jones movies, but like nice. in chronological order. So I don't know. Is that the second or third one? It's Maybe? the third. third. Okay, and that's why I haven't gotten back to it yet because I've only yeah. watched the first two, and I was like, wait. Um, yeah, definitely my favorite though. The second one was weird. Yeah, that one got a lot of um, Steven Spielberg got a lot of hit for that because of how dark it was. It kind of took a turn from what it had been. Yeah, it was not only dark, but like too, too fantasy for me. Like, yeah. Oh. Like, how about the Crystal Skull one? Though? That's true. I don't really. Uh, you know. <laughs> that one was fine up until the very end. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're nuke the fridge and uh, you know oh my god that whole thing yeah <laughs> but you do have to admit like just indiana films and like totally. watching him traverse the world and and in like the 30s and up to the 50s like it's just it's really fun and cool it's to awesome. watch totally yeah have you had a chance to go to petra yet no i've mm. never been all right they're trying to make another film by the way a fifth huh Is yeah harrison ford even up for that you know, because he yeah. dropped out of the Star Wars. Yeah. No, he he's he wants to play Indiana Jones one more time. I hear that you even fine by me. All right. It's gonna be uh, Indiana Jones and the Nursing Home, <laughs> the mystery of <laughs> the ghost of the nursing la, la. home or something. Oh, like. No, well, he's he's still doing he, great. You know what? I tell you what. In the last film, that Crystal Skull one, he was still doing all of his stunts. You know that wow. guy just. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he was like uh, they actually had the scenes where like he's like swinging from ropes and all that type of stuff. And but old oh habits die hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I have one last one. Um, the, my one last one. Hopefully, you guys have heard it. It is called. What is my one last one? Lost in Translation. I have ah, yes. haven't watched it yet, though. That is a Sofia Coppola. Yes. Okay. Yes. I. Um, so, Sofia Coppola, which is the niece of... Francis Ford. Coppola. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's a movie... So, this is kind of... Once again, this is a fish out of water. Um, maybe kind of a dark rom-com. And it stars uh, Scarlett Johansson and um, Bill Murray. What? Which is the strangest combination that you can ever think of. And Bill Murray plays an aging um, movie star in the United States. And he's kind of lost the luster on his star. And so he goes to Japan to film a television commercial. And specifically, he's making a film commercial for Hibiki whiskey, which is fantastic. I think a lot of Americans learned about Hibiki uh, whiskey from (laughs) this movie. Probably. And um, actually, I think I know I did. Um, And so he's doing this commercial and he is just he's never been to Japan. And it's just like he's he's in this foreign land and just doesn't know what the heck's going on he's got directors who's directing him in japanese and it's being translated and lost lots of it's being lost in translation there's just 
just all sorts of weirdness. Anyways, he goes, I believe he meets a woman in a bar. So he's down at a bar in the hotel, one of the most famous hotels in Japan. And I've lost the name off the top of my head. And um, this woman is Scarlett Johansson, who is like half his age. Um, And she's there because her boyfriend husband, I think his boyfriend is on assignment. Um, So she's kind of left alone once by herself in this in this country and doesn't know anyone so the two kind of once again connect wait a minute isn't this my other film the and they and they connect and then they just start hanging out together and they kind of go on these just meet and hang out and philosophize and and um and that's it so um but as time goes by, you can see a relationship growing between the two, and it's very difficult to see what kind of it's trying to you're trying to determine what kind of relationship it is. And but once again, if it did not have the city, they go to like the strangest bars. Mm. They're out in the middle of the night in J- downtown Tokyo. There, it's just like there's so much of it that is just so. Um, it's Japan. It's really really interesting Japan. So go watch it. And it's Sofia Coppola. So. Now, I think that was the movie that kind of put her on the map, too. Yes. That was like a big um, breakout for her. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? She was she did a small role in one of the Godfather films that was I think was supposed to go with Winona Ryder. Then she became a director in her own right. And I think, I believe, she won an Academy Award for Lost in Translation. And then she disappeared for years. Um, I mean, the film, she would do only a film every four or five years. But I mean, I felt like um, she, people had forgotten about her. And then I think she recently won another, um, won another Academy Award, too. So anyways. Hmm. Are there sequels to Lost in Translation or is it just that one? I think think that's just that one. Then I don't know what I'm thinking of. But. I feel I've definitely heard a lot about that. So not it's it's been on my list, just haven't gotten around to it. Okay. I am up next and my last one is kind of cheating. Not really. It's like it's based on a true story, so it kind of has to be set in this place. Um it's the sound of music. Aww. Yeah, which is like one of my family's favorite films to watch. I just rewatched it a couple weeks ago. Um, but it's set in Austria, Salzburg, Austria, and it's set back in 1930s, 40s when the Nazis are starting to take over. Um, and it follows Julie Andrews, who she's a postulant at uh, the Abbey, and she gets sent out from the Abbey to be a governess for Captain Von Trapp and his well not for him his kids um and so she goes to this beautiful the von trapp villa it's a beautiful villa right by the water and she basically brings this family new life and love and happiness and brings all this life back into the home um through music and it's really fun and but it's also super historical i mean it takes place during the kind of nazi takeover so you see towards the end of the film how the family deals with it because captain von trapp he's a retired naval officer who now the nazis are recruiting for their um 
regime. Um, and so it basically follows their story, what they do and how they kind of escape. But along the way, it's beautiful. I, I haven't gone to Australia yet, but my mom has. And she said she was like, as soon as I saw this film and we like planned our trip like years ago, before I was born, planned our trip to Europe, <laughs> um, I made sure to go to all of these locations. Um, so it has like the rolling green hills and the mountains. There's like the city center with the fountains. There's gardens that you go through. Um, and I, there, you can like visit the villas that they filmed at too. Um, and I looked it up. You, The Von Trapp Villa is still standing today and it's been oh, wow. re, um, repurposed. Is that the word for it? It's re... I guess repurposed into a music academy now. Um, so I huh. think you can either stay there uh, for like like a night or something like that, or you can just take like a forty five minute tour through it. But it's so beautiful. I want to go to Austin. It makes me want to go to Aww. Austria so much. It's so green and lush and just like European love. Awesome. It's an unusually bright film for such a dark time. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's the flight of the von traps you know from but it's no, like at no. the same time they're singing and it's beautiful and it's just like strangely meanwhile the nazis are taking over yeah exactly. it's funny how of, that works yeah it's um it's very interesting because i think i mean i like i said i rewatched it a couple weeks ago and i don't remember the last time i watched it before then but this time when i watched it i was like more aware of like the nazi takeover so it it hit it was more serious like how he they come back from their trip and there's like the nazi flag hanging on his house and he tears it down um that was like whoa and then like how they were planning to escape i was like oh my god <laughs> like the stress i felt it i never like really understood <laughs> it back then like when i was a child i was watching it, i was like okay but like this time right. i was like oh my god yeah, hits a yeah. little closer to home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Well, I had a few on my list that I actually don't want to talk about anymore because I want to get away from Europe. But I do want to say that In Bruges came out while I was studying abroad in Europe and that yes. made everyone want to go to Bruges because it was filmed on location there. It's a beautiful town in Belgium um, in the like uh, Dutch region so it's very like dutch looking um like a lot of the architecture looks like what you would see in amsterdam it's on canals um beautiful people go there just for that movie and then also amelie is a classic and i think that they play up oh. paris so perfectly they really bring out all the like the charm and like joy and the fun of Paris in her antics and her personality. Um, and that was somewhere we, like a movie you can't imagine being filmed somewhere else. Um, yeah. But uh, another movie, hear me out. Finding Nemo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't film anywhere since it's a Pixar movie. And even then, they focus underwater on the Great Barrier Reef. They do have a lot to do with Sydney and they have some scenes there, but I thought they did such a great job of choosing such a rich area for marine life and they teach you so much about it. And I love how they 
they not only talk about the Great Barrier Reef and how and where these certain like fish and marine life live, but during like the journey, you see these different parts of the ocean. You see the different like, you know, you have the sea turtles who are on their like migration. And then as they're getting closer to the cities, you see how polluted it is and how gross. And uh, I just thought it was a really neat introduction to such a great part of the world. And it's Australia. It's fun. <laughs> you don't get a lot from there that I've seen. In Finding Dory, don't forget the uh, the Marine Life Institute is based off of the Monterey Bay yes. Museum. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so they so, took that back to the States. But yeah, but I mean, it really I mean, even though it's all animated, I think it still like made a good cause for Australia and the Great Barrier Reef and learning totally. a lot about it and like wanting to go see that and the vibrant marine life and everything that's, you know, is dying that we need to preserve. Um, and also one last plug in that part of the world, crazy rich Asians. I loved getting an introduction and seeing Singapore, which is such its own little Cosmo of like, what a fusion of like ancient and modern, like together. And I just loved watching that movie for the scenery and like the islands that they go to and stuff like that. So those are my last plugs. (laughs) Well, you screwed this up. We could have done another podcast on this in the future. That's it. It's okay. (laughs) I mean, okay. Since you got to plug a couple. Yeah, so I go for it. My, like, honorable mention isn't a real place at all, um, sadly. But it was um, the Grand Budapest Hotel. The West Anderson Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Like, everything about it. But it doesn't exist sadly yeah <laughs> that was a All great right. one yes. they do I'm gonna uh, throw out, yeah oh no go for I it i was gonna throw out mine was uh french kiss because i've heard of that i've not seen it you know it. what i don't know okay this is not really reflective of me but it's another freaking rom <laughs> <laughs> interesting <laughs> and it's a rom-com from 1995 and it has meg ryan and kevin klein huh. wow and there's a combo meg, yeah and meg ryan is an american woman and she's at her finest at this point and um she meets a uh con man in um, paris and kevin klein plays a frenchman uh like a frenchman uh uh, a con man hmm. and what's interesting is i think kevin klein actually speaks french and on top of it a lot of the music soundtrack or at least part of the music soundtrack he's also um offers the he sings in the soundtrack as well so oh, that's a cool. double threat <laughs> yeah he he's he's really it's a really cute charming uh rom-com and it's got meg ryan and you know if you like a meg ryan kind of film you'll 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 like this (laughs) and they talk about they're on the Eurostar or whatever it was called back then and she's you know eating tons of french cheese and you know it just the whole background is in paris and you know i'm not sure if it could be anywhere else other than in paris because just the character that kevin klein plays is just amazing all right wait you is it filmed in paris you said I, Sorry. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, or see, at least parts of it. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, one other thing I wanted to say is kind of the opposite of what we were going for when the city is a character is when these locations aren't meant to be themselves, but 
they're so fascinating. So when you see a lot of like sci-fi or things and you realize these are filmed in real places of the world, like it's not digital. It's just like Mm -hmm. that really exists somewhere. So like I was thinking, you know, Iceland is used for a lot of really futuristic scenes as is like Tunisia has been filmed a lot for like Star Wars. And these are like, because I know they use Tunisia for um, Tatooine. I think uh-huh. is mm-hmm. that where Anakin's from? Yeah. 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 And like seeing that, even though these are meant to be like these completely, you know, out of these world locations, they really exist here on our planet and thinking like how neat that is and how different they are and that we need to see more of that. Yeah. I think a lot of the desert scenes from like the original star Trek were done in some, well, I don't know which deserts, but they're like California. Star Wars. Or- no, no, I'm sorry. The Star Trek TV. Oh, series. it is Star Trek. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Star Trek, and then um, there's. I mean, there's. I know there's. I was, might have mentioned it, but like Resident Evil, some of the scenes like they have this futuristic background of this. You know, this these buildings. This actually takes place in Toronto. Down. Wow. Why so. didn't you bring that up on our Toronto podcast? I think I did. I thought oh. I did. So oh. <laughs> now it's part of the city hall. Actually, one somebody mentioned it's like, do they have the Toronto sign still up? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> My bad. My bad. I do remember that. Yes. Okay. So totally. All right, we have covered a lot of <laughs> locations. Um, a lot of very Eurocentric, but you know. That's hey, I had a lot yeah. of Asia in but there. Then, yeah, I know. I, I think Zen, you have you you showed up for Asia, so that was great. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes, um, and also we even got Finding Nemo as well. Yeah, <laughs> Oceania. Yes. Okay, uh, I definitely have films that I will hopefully be watching soon. I think Zen's were like super interesting. I had never heard of any of the ones. Well, I heard of Lost in Translation, but. Other than the other two, very intriguing. I will add to my very list obscure. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay, but for now, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you liked our suggestions, let us know if you catch one of the films. And if you have any others that you want to share, please let us know too. You can check us out on Facebook or our Instagram. Uh, and while you're there, check out our photos from our world. Our world, yes, it's all, all of our worlds from around the world. Um, interesting articles and more. And Minas and Paris is a University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education Production. If you need a career boost, looking to or looking to increase your workplace knowledge or seeking a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu. Once again, ce.uci. Edu for their professional courses. Thanks again for, tu- for <laughs> thanks again for tuning in. Bye everybody. Bye. Goodbye.